Sermon 58 of Leo the Great, Bishop of Rome, translated by Charles Let Felto. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sermon 58 on the Passion 7. 1. The Reason of Christ's Suffering at the Paschal Feast. I know indeed, dearly beloved, that the Easter festival partakes of so sublime a mystery as to surpass not only the slender perceptions of my humility, but even the powers of great intellects. But I must not consider the greatness of the divine work in such a way as to distrust or to feel ashamed of the service which I owe, for we may not hold our peace upon the mystery of man's salvation, even if it cannot be explained. But your prayers abiding us, we believe God's grace will be granted to sprinkle the barrenness of our heart with the dew of His inspiration, that by the pastor's mouth things may be proclaimed which are useful to the ears of His holy flock. For when the Lord, the giver of all good things, says, Open thy mouth, and I will fill it, we dare likewise to reply in the prophet's words, Lord, thou shalt open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Therefore, beginning, dearly beloved, to handle once more the gospel story of the Lord's Passion, we understand it was part of the divine plan that the profane chiefs of the Jews and the unholy priests, who had often sought occasion of venting their rage on Christ, should receive the power of exercising their fury at no other time than the Paschal Festival. For the things which had long been promised under mysterious figures had to be fulfilled in all clearness. For instance, the true sheep had to supersede the sheep which was its antitype, and the one sacrifice to bring to an end the multitude of different sacrifices. For all those things which had been divinely ordained through Moses about the sacrifice of the Lamb had prophesied of Christ, and truly announced the slain of Christ. In order, therefore, that the shadows should yield to the substance, and types cease in the presence of the reality, the ancient observances removed by a new sacrament, victim passes into victim, blood is wiped away by blood, and the law-ordained feast is fulfilled by being changed. 2. The leading Jews broke their own law, as well as failed to apprehend the new dispensation in destroying Christ. And hence, when the chief priests gathered the scribes and elders of the people together to their council, and the minds of all the priests were occupied with the purpose of doing wrong to Jesus, the teachers of the law put themselves without the law, and by their own voluntary failure in duty abolished their ancestral ceremonies. For when the Paschal Feast began, those who ought to have adorned the temple, cleansed the vessels, provided the victims, and employed a holier zeal in the purifications that the law enjoined, seized with the fury of traitorous hate, gave themselves up to one work, and with uniform cruelty conspire for one crime, though they were doomed to gain nothing by the punishment of innocence and the condemnation of righteousness, except the failure to apprehend the new mysteries and the violation of the old. The chiefs, therefore, in providing against the tumult arising on a holy day, showed zeal not for the festival, but for a heinous crime, and their anxiety served not the cause of religion, but their own incrimination. For these careful pontiffs and anxious priests feared the occurrence of seditious riots on the principal feast day, not lest the people should do wrong, but lest Christ should escape. 3. Jesus 
instituting the blessed sacrament, showed mercy to the traitor Judas to the last. But Jesus, sure of his purpose and undaunted in carrying out his Father's will, fulfilled the New Testament and founded a new Passover. For while the disciples were lying down with him in the mystic supper, and when discussion was proceeding in the hall of Caiaphas how Christ might be put to death, he, ordaining the sacrament of his body and blood, was teaching them what kind of victim must be offered up to God. And not even from this mystery was the betrayer kept away, in order to show that he was exasperated by no personal wrong, but had determined beforehand of his own free will upon his treachery. For he was his own source of ruin and cause of perfidy, following the guidance of the devil, and refusing to have Christ as director. And so when the Lord said, Verily I say to you that one of you is about to betray me, he showed that his betrayer's conscience was well known to him, not befounding the traitor by harsh or open rebukes, but meeting him with mild and silent warnings, that he who had never been sent astray by rejection might the easier be set right by repentance. Why, unhappy Judas, dost thou not make use of so great long-suffering? Behold, the Lord spares thy wicked attempts. Christ betrays thee to none save thyself. Neither thy name nor thy person is discovered, but only the secrets of thy heart are touched by the word of truth and mercy. The honor of the apostolic rank is not denied thee, nor yet a share in the sacraments. Return to thy right mind, lay aside thy madness, and be wise. Mercy invites thee, salvation knocks at the door, life recalls thee to life. Lo, thy stainless and guiltless fellow disciples shudder at the hint of thy crime, and all tremble for themselves till the traitor of the treachery is declared. For they are saddened not by the accusations of conscience, but by the uncertainty of man's changeableness, fearing lest what each knew against himself be less true than what the truth himself foresaw. But thou abusest the Lord's patience in this panic of the saints, and believest that thy bold front hides thee. Thou addest impudence to guilt, and art not frightened by so clear a test. And when the others refrain from food in which the Lord had set his judgment, thou dost not withdraw thy hand from the dish, because thy mind is not turned aside from the crime. 4. Various incidents of the Passion further explained, and the reality of Christ's sufferings asserted. And thus it followed, dearly beloved, that as John the Evangelist has narrated, when the Lord offered the bread which he had dipped to his betrayer, more clearly to point him out, the devil entirely seized Judas, and now, by his veritable act of wickedness, took possession of one whom he had already bound down by his evil designs. For only in body was he lying there with those at meat, in mind, he was arming the hatred of the priests, the falseness of the witnesses, and the fury of the ignorant mob. At last the Lord, seeing on what a gross crime Judas was bent, says, What thou doest, do quickly. This is the voice not of command, but of permission, and not of fear, but of readiness. He that has power over all times shows that he puts no hindrance in the way of the traitor and carries out the Father's will for the redemption of the world in such a way as neither to promote nor to fear the crime which his persecutors were preparing. When Judas, therefore, at the devil's persuasion, departed from Christ, and cut himself off from the unity of the apostolic body, 
the Lord, without being disturbed by any fear, but anxious only for the salvation of those he came to redeem, spent all the time that was free from his persecutor's attack on mystic conversation and holy teaching, as is declared in St. John's Gospel, raising his eyes to heaven and beseeching the Father for the whole church, that all whom the Father had and would give the Son might become one and remain undivided to the Redeemer's glory and adding lastly that prayer in which he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, wherein it is not to be thought that the Lord Jesus wished to escape the passion and the death, the sacraments of which he had already committed to his disciples' keeping, seeing that he himself forbids Peter, when he was burning with devoted faith and love, to use the sword, saying, The cup which the Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? And seeing that that is certain which the Lord also says, according to John's Gospel, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that every one who believeth in him may not perish, but have eternal life. As also what the Apostle Paul says, Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a victim to God for a sweet-smelling savor. For the saving of all through the cross of Christ was the common will and the common plan of the Father and the Son, nor could that by any means be disturbed which before eternal ages had been mercifully determined and unchangeably foreordained. Therefore, in assuming true and entire manhood, he took the true sensations of the body and the true feelings of the mind. And it does not follow, because everything in him was full of sacraments, full of miracles, that therefore he either shed false tears, or took food from pretended hunger, or feigned slumber, it was in our humility that he was despised, with our grief that he was saddened, with our pain that he was racked on the cross. For his compassion underwent the sufferings of our mortality with the purpose of healing them, and his power encountered them with the purpose of conquering them. And this Isaiah has most plainly prophesied, saying, He carries our sins and is pained for us, and we thought him to be in pain, and in stripes, and in vexation. But he was wounded for our sins, and was stricken for our offenses, and with his bruises we are healed. 5. The resignation of Christ is an undying lesson to the church. And so, dearly beloved, when the Son of God says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, he uses the outcry of our nature, and pleads the cause of human frailty and trembling, that our patience may be strengthened, and our fears driven away in the things which we have to bear. At length, ceasing even to ask this, now that he had in a measure palliated our weak fears, though it is not expedient for us to retain them, he passes into another mood, and says, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou. And again, if this cup cannot pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. These words of the head are the salvation of the whole body. These words have instructed all the faithful, kindled the zeal of all the confessors, crowned all the martyrs. For who could overcome the world's hatred, the blasts of temptations, the terrors of persecutors, had not Christ, in the name of all and for all, said to the Father, Thy will be done. Then let the words be learnt by all the church's sons, who have been purchased at so great a price, so freely justified. And 
When the shock of some violent temptation has fallen on them, let them use the aid of this potent prayer, that they may conquer their fear and trembling, and learn to suffer patiently. From this point, dearly beloved, our sermon must pass to the consideration of the details of the Lord's Passion. And, lest we should burden you with prolixity, we will divide our common task, and put off the rest till the fourth day of the week. God's grace will be vouchsafed to you, if you pray him to give me the power of carrying out my duty, through our Lord Jesus Christ, and so forth. End of Sermon 58